0: This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's internationally renowned nutrition expert Dr. Michael Greger, best selling author of How Not to Diet. He's got the How Not to Diet cookbook that just came out just in time for the new year as you're making your resolutions to get healthy and lose weight. He's got something that's sustainable. I had the best conversation with him. Um, He did say some things that I didn't want to hear. We talk about alcohol, and I covered my ears when he was talking, but you guys can hear that part um, and what he had to say about that. Um, Intermittent fasting, why we shouldn't be eating after 7 p.m., how we should eat an apple before dinner, and you'll end up eating 300 less calories than you would had you not had the apple. Right now, I'm sipping on a green juice margarita because I feel like that's the only thing Dr. Greger would allow. Um, it's using my favorite Tanteo tequila, um, the best tequila for margaritas. If you haven't tried them, uh, go to TanteoTequila.com and use Squats 10 at checkout for 10% off your order. Here's my episode with Dr. Michael Greger.
1: Hello, Aaron. Hi, Dr. Greger.
2: It's such a pleasure to talk to you.
1: I'm so excited.
2: <laughs> Great. to say internationally renowned nutrition expert, best-selling author. I too am an author, it was not a bestseller um, yet. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about we're coming into a new year. Everybody makes the resolutions to get healthy, but I think specifically the big one is to lose weight. Um, The problem is people go on on these trendy diets, and they lose weight, but it's not sustainable, and you seem to have an answer for that.
1: Absolutely. You know, with so much nutritional noise and nonsense these days, I just wanted there to finally be an evidence-based diet book. And I cite literally thousands of studies digging up every possible tip, uh, trick, tweak, technique, proven to accelerate the loss of body fat, to give people every possible advantage and basically build the optimal weight loss solution from the ground up.
2: I need this book. It's the How Not to Diet Cookbook, and you have 21 tweaks to accelerate weight loss. I want to get through it, but while I have you, I have so many nutrition questions, and you're going to get them. I struggled with body image for two decades, Mm -hmm. eating disorders. I very much focus on wellness and nutrition now. And I want to see if you could speak on in my past. I thought the right way to lose weight was calories in versus calories out. It's what women are told all the time. So I barely ate. I worked out mostly cardio seven days a week, and I never lost a pound. Can you speak on why the women that are overexercising, restricting their calories, why that may not be the best way to lose weight, like why they're not seeing results?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't outrun a bad diet. Like So, you know, if you're a moderately heavy person doing moderately intense physical activity like biking or very brisk walking, you burn off approximately, you know, 350 calories an hour, but you know most drinks, snacks, and other processed junk are consumed at a rate of about 70 calories a minute. So therefore, it only takes five minutes of snacking for someone to wipe out you know, a whole hour of exercise. So you can see wow. how, um, you know, uh, um, the, the control, most of the control we have over our weight balance is really on the calories in side of the equation. And, uh, and you, know, you can only starve yourself for so long. Anyone can white-knuckle it in the uh, short-term. But the reason um, that, uh, that my approach is, is more sustainable is because of the way it makes people feel. A key difference between plant-based nutrition and more traditional approaches to weight loss is that people are encouraged to eat ad libitum, which means eat as much as you want. There's no calorie counting, no portion control, just eating. The strategy mm-hmm. is to improve the quality of food rather than restricting the quantity of food. So it doesn't leave you hungry. Instead, you get a boost of energy, better digestion, better sleep. But you don't know how good you're going to feel until you give it a try. Right.
2: If most of your um, research back like, through like the plant-based veganism, like, I feel like that's all the rage now and everybody is going plant-based, why should we be eating plant-based?
1: Well, the best available balance of evidence suggests the healthiest diet is one that minimizes the intake of meat, dairy, and processed junk, and maximizes the intake of fruits, vegetables, legumes, beans, peas, chickpeas, and lentils, whole grains, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, herbs, and spices, basically real food that grows out of the ground. These are our healthiest choices.
2: There's another movement toward non-dairy. Is it because it's processed? Like, Should we be looking to cut it out, and why?
1: Well, I mean, milk is for babies right i mean we're the only species of course that that drinks milk after weaning and then to drink milk of another species like it doesn't make any sense um and so look milk is great to put a couple uh, you know cows milk is great to put a couple hundred uh, pounds on a baby calf in a few months but uh you know that's i mean it's not uh it's 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 not what we should be eating it's uh, increased the risk for prostate cancer or parkinson's disease um a number of uh, of things and there's just healthier sources of calcium out there we can get calcium in the same place the cows got the calcium in the first place Okay. Um, uh, from uh, from plants, we don't have to eat grass, but uh, um, uh, dark green leafy vegetables Well the healthiest source because then you get all the calcium. But as a, instead of the baggage of the saturated butter fat and the hormones and the cholesterol, you get a bonus of fiber and folate and antioxidants and phytonutrients and iron—all and all the things mi- missing from the uh, from you know dairy calcium sources.
2: Right. Okay, I'm cutting dairy. <laughs> and then you think too, like when you make these cuts out of your diet, dairy, uh, meat, that it's going to be boring, and you're not going to enjoy your food anymore. Your cookbook has found a solution to that. It's not boring.
1: <laughs> well, and look, there's a constellation of new consumer choices. Boring. Have you looked at a dairy, a dairy case recently? It's like, I mean, there used to be like, you know, what, three types of milk. You know, you get the whole milk, the, you know, skim milk. Now there's like, every time I go, there's a new kind of milk got there. I mean, so you know, you can have fun to ride right? around. Some people like one more than the other. I mean, there's just yeah, 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 and and look, and major dairy uh, companies are declaring bankruptcy just because you give consumers better choices. You know, they're going that direction. You know, you're actually we're actually seeing the same thing in the meat aisle too. There's all these plant-based meats, Um, uh, and uh, you know, and look, if it tastes good, it tastes just as good. Um, uh, same mouthfeel, same texture, with all the, you know, that we grew up um, in love with, but just happens to have zero cholesterol, less saturated fat, you know, is healthier. Well, then there you go.
2: I have to ask, and I don't know if I want to know the answer, how bad is alcohol? (laughs) If you're looking at it from a losing weight perspective or just being healthy in general, is moderate alcohol? Because my brand is Squats and Margaritas, and I enjoy cocktails daily in moderation because it makes me feel like I'm not deprived and I can stick with my like healthy eating plan because I can have a cocktail. How bad is alcohol from a fat burning perspective and for just someone that's trying to live a healthy lifestyle? I can take it. Squats
1: <laughs> and virgin margaritas. That's the way to go. <laughs> Um, alcohol uh, is an increased risk of cancer Um, even light drinking so less than a drink a day increases risk of breast cancer Um, uh, and so and the reason you don't hear more about this and there isn't a big cancer label on all alcoholic beverages is because we used to think that mild to moderate drinking um, protects against heart disease heart disease is actually the number one killer of women in this country Um, and so men and women and so they didn't want to dissuade people um, just to um, prevent uh, cancer deaths but now we realize um, that's a consequence of an artifact where we were mischaracterizing uh, uh, non-drinkers as, uh, as, as never drinkers um, and, so, uh, and, and, and so there actually is not um, a benefit to lower moderate drinking uh, for heart disease so then we just have the increased cancer risk there's about 20 different cancers that are increased by alcohol consumption, because um, alcohol is converted into something called acetaldehyde in our body, which is um, carcinogenic. Our body gets rid of it uh, relatively quickly, but um, but unfortunately um, uh, increases our risk. And so um, it's a, what's called a category one carcinogen. I mean, we know it causes cancer in human beings. So we really should try to minimize our exposure.
2: Even red wine, because you're saying it doesn't have that heart benefit. Oh well, no, no, actually,
1: product. oh you know that's a, that, you know that's actually a really good point. So. Um, red wine is the only alcoholic is that beverage that has not been tied to increased breast cancer risk, and we think it's because um, of this uh, compound uh, in the skins of grapes, uh, which acts as what's called an aromatase inhibitor, um, which prevents the conversion, the the synthesis of estrogen um, in your body. It's, it's an enzyme that uh, that breast cancer cells use to kind of promote fuel their own growth. Um, and there are aromatase inhibitors in the skins of grapes and white mushrooms and other um, healthy foods that actually block that. And so um, the, uh, while the alcohol is increasing risk of breast cancer, that, that, uh, that compound in the skin of grapes found in red wine is decreasing risk such that red wine has a neutral effect. However, if you ate grapes, um, then presumably you'd actually get a benefit because you wouldn't have that um, competing um, uh, bump in, in cancer risk.
2: Oh, squats and grapes, I guess. Squats
1: and grapes. I love it. <laughs> sign me up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to sign you up because I don't know if I'm on that plan. What about <laughs> supplements? You are eating a pretty healthy diet. How important is supplements, like supplementing something? Should you be taking a daily multivitamin or should be, you be looking for that through just, like, healthy, unprocessed foods as a main story? There
1: sure. Well, there, there are two vitamins that are not made by plants. So, anyone eating a healthy diet centered around plants um, needs uh, to make sure they get a regular, reliable source. Uh, one vitamin is vitamin D, uh, not made by plants, made by animals, such as yourself. When you walk outside, it's the sunshine vitamin. But, you know, these days people are spending more time indoors uh, um, at this time of year at the higher latitudes. No matter how much you're outside, the sun rays are at such an angle, and we may be all bundled up. We may not make enough vitamin D. So, getting insufficient sunshine, I recommend 2,000 international units of vitamin D3 a day. Um, and the only other vitamin not made by plants is vitamin B12, not made by animals either, made by little microbes that blanket the earth. So, we used to get B12 drinking out of a mountain stream, well water or something, but now we chlorinate the water supply to kill off any bacteria. So we don't get a lot of B12 in our water anymore, don't get a lot of cholera either. That's a good thing that we live in such a nice, sanitary world. But because of that, we need to get a regular, reliable source of B12 more. Our fellow great apes get all the B12 they need, eating bugs, dirt, and feces. I prefer supplement. Um, so uh, 2,000 micrograms of what's called cyanocombalment once a week, or 50 micrograms a day, get all the B12 you need. Amazing. Perfect. And let's
2: talk about your book, 21 Tweaks to Accelerate Weight Loss. Uh, can you give me a couple? <laughs> Like what is? Oh, if you had to give me one tip uh, to accelerate weight
1: loss, like what's the number one tip? Oh, yeah, there's all sorts of. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of specific foods that double as fat blockers and fat burners and starch blockers and appetite suppressants. So I go through um, basically digging up every possible tip technique ever proven to accelerate the loss of body fat. To give people every possible advantage. Um, And so, you know, simple things like preloading with so-called negative calorie foods. Uh, Negative calorie preloading just means starting out a meal with fruits, vegetables, soup, salad, or simply a tall glass of water, basically anything with less than 100 calories per cup. So, for example, eating a large apple before a meal is so filling that people go on to eat about 300 calories less food from the meal. So 100 calories in from the apple, 300 calories out. So an apple eaten before a meal effectively has negative 200 calories. That is amazing.
2: What a great tip. (laughs) I got to go get apples. I'm going to put that on my list. (laughs) What about, um, so these recipes, Dr. Greger, as you can hear in the background, um, I have two toddlers. How easy are these recipes? Is this, I'm not going to need to make a commitment and do planning to these recipes for someone that's not a chef and maybe doesn't have a lot of time on their hands?
1: It's actually a mixture. So there is a difficulty level um, uh, um, on every recipe. It actually, describes whether it's easy um, or, or quick or not. There are some um, that are more fancy for more holiday type, uh, you know, gatherings. Um, but uh, I think I, most of the recipes are simple, easy. You can batch cook, make a whole bunch, um, and that's really the way I cook because I, I'm I'm so pressed for time that I really want something, you know, simple, easy, convenient, tasty. Uh, inexpensive, and that's really the majority of the recipes in the book.
2: Perfect so it's for everyone. It's for you know the real chefs and the moms that are home with their kids don't have a lot of time. I think that's basically most of my audience is moms. A lot of us are ending the, the uh, or nearing the end of our fertility. Can you talk about like hormones and what kind of effect nutrition has on hormones, especially for women that are like starting to get into menopause, premenopause? Um, the end of their fertility, and are there certain foods that we should be leaning towards at that part of our life um, just to kind of combat the hormones that we're dealing with?
1: Oh, absolutely. So uh, on nutritionfacts.org, um, uh, I have a number of uh uh, if you just type in menopause I mean I have all the videos uh, of you know, uh, featuring all the studies um, that have ever been done looking at the role of foods having in terms of for example controlling um, uh, menopausal symptoms such as hot flashes um, and so that would be um, uh, the consumption of soy foods uh, which so not only to improve bone health which is a pro-estrogenic effect but decrease breast cancer risk which is an anti-estrogenic effect um, um, but also uh, right, uh, helps with uh, hot flashes, in fact, you know in Japan, which has the highest soy consumption in the world, there isn't even a word in the language for hot flashes just because they suffer at the lowest levels uh, around the world.
2: Wow um, what's the question you get asked the most
1: um, uh, well, yeah, it depends kind of what I'm talking about, but um, uh, you know what uh, uh, what did I find most surprising? Uh, you know, when I when I looked at it, what are my, some of my favorite recipes? Uh, I just wondered, what are like some if somebody myths? has you in front of them.
2: Like, do people want to know about weight loss? Do they want to know about lowering their cholesterol? Like, to have a oh, it, it,
1: now well, a at this food time, food. It, yeah. So yeah, so it depends on the it depends on the audience. But this time of year, um, with you know New Year's resolutions, people are really focused on weight loss. So what a perfect timing um, for the cookbook to come out. Um, last year around this time, the How Not to Diet, the the, the book came out, and so this is a, you know this is a, where people are just kind of you know self reflecting and really want to work on on New Year New You self improvement, and so uh, we wanted to have this really as a practical guide to um, basically uh, to put How Not to Diet, um, the kind of mountain of evidence I presented into practice.
2: Yeah, and for it to be sustainable, for it not to just be this New Year's resolution that you're going to make because you probably will lose weight, but it's going to come back on. You need something that's sustainable, you know, that will – it's got to be like a lifestyle change. And for me, that's what it was for me. I was 20 pounds heavier. Um, I was only doing cardio. I was barely eating. Now it's just like I just practice mindful eating. I check in with myself. If I'm hungry, I eat. And before, I think women would be like – watching their calories, like I just ate breakfast, I'm hungry, but I'm not going to eat a second breakfast and your body starves and kind of like holds on to everything. So I think just getting past that mindset of like cutting your calories and living your life hungry, it's hard for women to kind of shift and you just eat all the time and your metabolism starts running again, and you're eating healthy foods you want to put healthy foods in your body, you want to shop the perimeter of the grocery store and get colorful foods, but have it coming in all the time. And that is what changed my body, my metabolism turned back on again. And I think women are so, we're just taught calories in versus calories out, do your cardio, barely eat. And that never worked for me, my body shut off, it stopped burning. And now that I eat more often, I practice mindfulness, I'm hungry, I eat. And then I check in with myself while I'm eating like, I'm halfway through dinner. Am I still hungry or am I just eating because there's food on the plate? It's just mindfulness.
1: Yeah, you know, diets don't work by definition because going on a diet implies at some point you're going to go off a diet. Right? Permanent weight loss requires permanent dietary change. Healthier habits just have to become a way of life. And if it's going to be lifelong, you want it to lead to a long life. Thankfully, the single best diet proven for weight loss may just so happen to be the safest, cheapest way to eat for the longest, healthiest life.
2: Exactly. And other just lifestyle effects on your weight and weight loss. How much does sleep play an effect on, like, if you're trying to lose weight, you're not getting a lot of sleep. Doesn't that, like, release a hormone that can work against you in a weight loss sense?
1: Yeah, actually, that's one of my uh, 21 tweaks is, um, uh, ah. has to do with uh, has to do with sleep. I have a whole chapter on sleep. And it's because, um, uh, you know, you can do laboratory studies where you sleep-deprived folks. And not only do they... Uh, eat more but they eat less healthy food so give them a breakfast buffet for example after staying up all night they eat uh, more of worse foods but what's interesting what I found particularly fascinating is even if you control for that even if you give people the exact same number of calories um, sleep-deprived versus not and we're not talking all-nighters just cutting a few hours of sleep um, every night Um, for a few weeks, um, you actually um, uh, uh, retain more body fat in your frame. And what's interesting, you don't actually see it on the scale. What happens when you're sleep deprived, your lean mass goes down, um, your fat mass goes up. It looks like you're not gaining any weight, but actually you are gaining body fat, losing muscle mass, um, and so, yeah, critically important to get sufficient sleep.
2: Perfect. I didn't know that was a tweet. Fantastic. (laughs) There are a couple more things. I know I don't have you for that much longer. You talk about the impact of certain foods on our guts. Is
1: that like probiotics or uh, prebiotics? Even more important, treat the cause. So prebiotics are these are the comp- components of food that feed our good gut bacteria, so they will um, uh, so they will they will thrive. Uh, and so that's uh, there's two types basically, fiber and resistant starch found concentrated in whole plant foods, particularly whole grains and legumes, or beans, split peas, chickpeas, and lentils. So these are the uh, prebiotic foods critical to cultivating a healthy gut flora, which is not only important for gut health, um, but we're now learning that our our good gut bacteria play a role in all aspects, all of our body systems. Improves uh, um, immune function, uh, mental health, um, uh, and so uh, and so you know, and uh, you know, certainly appetite, um, weight loss. Um, and you can prove this, which is called fecal transplant studies, where you actually take one person's gut flora and switch it to another person. And so if all of a sudden you have the gut flora of someone who's overweight, you're eating the same amount of calories, you'll start gaining weight. Um, uh, um, and So it's really remarkable, the effects. And we're just now learning about the importance of keeping a healthy microbiome. And it's all about fiber-rich foods, resistant starch-rich foods, um, which are the, uh, those healthy, drier plant foods.
2: Hydration. Is water one of your tweaks, like upping your water and making sure you're not thirsty instead of just thinking that you're hungry and you're really thirsty? Is water like a big thing that we should be monitoring? Water
1: is critical. Absolutely. So water actually has... uh... It uh, uh, gives us a boost in the adrenal hormone called noradrenaline um, which uh, it's kind of a, a, which accelerates the, the the burning burning of body fat and you can actually I mean you can so I recommend uh, two cups of water for each meal not only as a preloading um, but uh, because it, uh, it it increases uh, fat burning I mean, it's amazing something so simple basically free. Um, but that's why you know, no one's ever heard about it. No one's going to profit from, you know, telling people to, to, to you know, drink some tap water. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, really, really quite remarkable effects in terms of number of calories you burn with and without um, full hydration.
2: Perfect. Other thing that I feel like is all the rage right now um, is intermittent fasting. I need to know what you feel about intermittent fasting, if I should be doing it, and what really are the benefits to doing it?
1: So that's actually the largest chapter in the book. Just because there's so many different kinds, there's alternate day fasting, you know, five uh, two fasting, twenty five five fasting, mimicking diets, time restricted feeding. The bottom line is uh, is that there's benefit to early time restricted feeding. So that means narrowing your daily feeding window to twelve hours or less. But critically, the timing of that window should be early rather than late. If you're going to skip any meal, you skip supper, not breakfast. We should try to shift our calories towards the beginning of the day. Uh, big breakfast yeah. is definitely the way to start out.
2: Right. And you, people are doing it the opposite way. It's like you get up and you try not to eat breakfast. They are.
1: Exactly, um, and Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and, longer and, and, longer and so, and that's not just bad for, for, yeah, it's not as bad for weight gain, but for um, uh, triglycerides and blood sugars, the exact same food eaten at night is more fattening than the same number of calories, the exact same food eaten in the morning. It's a different effect. The calorie is not a, a, uh, just a calorie. It's not just what we eat, but how and when.
2: When is, are, do you suggest like stopping eating before you go to bed? Is it two hours? Is it an hour? Is-
1: it, all, it doesn't matter when we go to bed. What matters is our circadian rhythm. So 7 p.m. We should fast after 7. Um, because wow. of our circadian rhythms, food eaten at night is more fatting than the exact same food eaten earlier. So the fewer calories after sundown, the better.
2: This is amazing. Oh, my gosh. Dr. Greger, thank you so much. The How Not to Diet Cookbook, perfect going into the new year and all the resolutions. But it's not a quick fix. It's not one of those on-trend diets that you're going to lose weight. It's a sustainable lifestyle shift. I love it. And then we can find you on Instagram. It's Dr. Michael Greger and then nutritionfacts.org. You've got daily tips there anywhere else that we can find you or anything else coming up um, that you want to talk about.
1: That all sounds perfect. And uh, keep up the good work and eat some grapes.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being so patient with my son.
1: <laughs> I don't oh, know how he- I- of course. I'm so glad that uh, that you, you are able to not just feed yourself, but uh, but keep your family healthy as well during this tough time.
0: Dr. Greger, nutrition expert, best-selling author. You can get the How Not to Diet Cookbook now on Amazon. It's more than 100 healthy recipes that are sustainable for a healthy lifestyle. It's not a quick fix. It's not a diet. Start this new year. Jump start into a weight loss program that is sustainable and a healthy lifestyle. Thank you for all the tips, Dr. Greger. You can follow him on Instagram or nutritionfacts.org where he's got daily tips, facts about nutrition, diet, and weight loss. He kind of hurt my feelings about alcohol, but he's right. Um, I am going to try to cut out dairy as well and work on not eating after seven. He's got all the tips. Check out his book. Go follow him on Instagram. And thank you so much for joining me. If you were sipping on the green juice margarita, it's using my favorite tequila, Tanteo. You can go to tequila.com and make sure you use Squats 10 to get 10% off your order. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed, please, please do it. We're on Spotify, Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. I really want to keep doing this. Please, please subscribe so you'll get updates as soon as a new episode drops. And I'll see you guys next week for a new episode of Squats and Margaritas.
3: To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night.